0: When I say the words missed opportunity, uh, what comes to your mind? Has there ever been that time in your life when uh, you had a decision to make and a major decision to make and and now you look back and you think, what if? What if I had chosen that career path rather than the one I'm in? Would, Would I be more satisfied now? Would I be happier now? What if that opportunity I had to travel when uh, I was single and before all of these family responsibilities were on me, what if I had done that? We've all heard stories of those people that, back when companies like Microsoft and Google and some of those were getting started and they had a chance to invest in in those early days and they thought all those things will go nowhere. And some of those today look back with regret and, and just say, what if I had done that? While some missed opportunities may really not matter a whole lot in the long run, others we look back on uh, with a great deal of regret. As we become passionate disciples of Jesus Christ, as we take seriously that call that God has placed on our lives to be his hands and his feet, to be the ones that uh, represent him in this earthly kingdom, He wants us to avoid those missed opportunities. Jesus wants to protect us from having to look back with regret. The investment that He is calling us to is far different than anything we could ever imagine in this earthly kingdom. For one thing, the reward or the regret will last for an eternity. Secondly, and this I find so amazing in how God works, God calls us to invest back into his kingdom only what he has given us in the first place. This lesson on giving back to God in service comes to us from a parable that Jesus gave. And this is a familiar parable. We're going to talk about the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25. We're going to go there in just a moment in verse 13. We're not going to talk about money this morning. We're not going to talk about, uh, about how we use our money, and, and that'll come. But I want us to focus this morning when, when Jesus talks about those things that he gave to be invested, I want us to be thinking about those things that he gave us in regard to our talents, our gifts, our abilities. Those things that uh, we don't have to come up with on our own, but uh, God has put into our lives so that we can, in turn, give those back to him. As we discussed before, a parable is simply a story that's told by Jesus with a spiritual message. The parable that we're discussing today is important for a lot of reasons, but I want to talk about two of them before we we get into actually reading the story. See, this parable that Jesus is telling, uh, he told in the very last week of his life here on earth. That week that we call Holy Week, we're getting close to that time of Holy Week when we will recognize the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And in his earthly life, we're in that period of time, those few days leading up to the cross, when Jesus gives us the story that we're going to talk about today. Now, don't misunderstand. Everything that Jesus says to us throughout Scripture, all of Scripture is important and vital for us to pay attention to. But, but in my heart, I just really look at those things that he said in those last few days uh, as being those things that he really wants us to, to focus on. The, the time is short. He knows what the future holds. He knows what's about to happen. His time on this earth, his opportunity to teach and to help us prepare for our time after he leaves is limited. And so Jesus gives us a very, very important message here. The second reason this parable should grab our attention is where it's placed in the rest of his teaching. I want us to look at the context just a little bit. Uh, I'm going to read, not yet, but we're going to get there in a moment. Uh, I'm going to read in Matthew chapter 25, verse uh, verse 14. Sorry, my mouth worked earlier. Verse 14. But I want you to look, uh, if you've got your Bibles open, flip back a page. And at the beginning of of chapter 24 uh, is the passage where the disciples ask, how will we know when you're going to return? Jesus is sharing with them uh, information that is very vital that will help them understand the second coming. When this age, this earthly kingdom that we struggle through is just taken away and, and we stand before God for all of eternity. That's his message that that he's giving in chapter 24. And he says later in the chapter that the day and the hour we don't know. And if you follow through, then he talks about the parable of the ten virgins. And the ten virgins' parable is about preparedness. You remember the story of five of the the virgins awaiting the bridegroom uh, were prepared. Their lamps were full of oil and their wicks were trimmed. But five were foolish. And they just thought, the bridegroom's never coming. This age is never ending. And so we can just wait another day. We can wait another moment. And Jesus in that parable is encouraging us. The time is now to be prepared. The time is now to be the person that God wants you to be in this life, in this kingdom. Then the parable that we'll read in a moment, and you you skip one more section. And at verse 31, he's talking about uh, the sheep and the goats or that moment of judgment. That moment when everyone will stand before God. Now, it's important for us to understand that right in the middle of all of that discussion about the preparedness for eternity and and the, the truth that that moment will come, right in the middle, he gives us then this parable, this indication of what this life should look like. Yes, we look forward to that day of his return. And yes, we want to be prepared. But what does that look like? It's this parable. Let's read it together. Uh, you listen as I read. I'm in chapter 25, uh, verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To he gave five talents of money, and to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and I hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Notice in verse 14, it says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey. Two things there. One, the the word again, he's saying, I'm continuing that message. I'm repeating that message of preparedness. And he said, it will be like referring to the kingdom of God that, that we live in on this earth, that earthly kingdom that we exist in while we are part of the heavenly kingdom. How do you do that? How do you put those two things together? He gives us the indication right here. It's about being prepared. So here's the message from Jesus about how we should invest our lives while still in this kingdom. Now remember, it's one of the last things that he uh, teaches his followers about being a disciple. And the truth of this teaching impacts our eternal future. When Jesus returns and claims his children for heaven, I think it would be a good idea this morning for me and for you to pay close attention, to really allow God's Spirit to, to get our attention on what that should look like. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for, again, just allowing us safely to gather together. Lord, I thank you for uh, the commitment of those that uh, were able to be here this morning. And I pray that this would not be a time that's wasted or a time when uh, we just shut off your spirit. But Father, just open our hearts, open our minds today that we could hear from you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. There's an outline in the back of the bulletin if you'd like to follow along this morning. But I want you to discover with me this morning how to make sure that we take advantages of those opportunities that Jesus offers to us. And we'll learn that together, that at our salvation, God offers us gifts and abilities, which we give back to him as offerings of praise. At our salvation, God offers us gifts and abilities, which we give back to him as an offering of praise. Now, what I want us to, to just kind of have is the overview as we talk through this morning uh, is that understanding that everything that we're talking about is as a result of God's Holy Spirit's presence in our life. Everything that, that we are challenged by God and uh, by Jesus in this uh, parable is because of the work he did. Remember, we're just using what he's given us to use. So what does this look like? What does it look like to offer our gifts? What does it look like to be those people God's called us to be? Look at it with me. First of all, we offer our gifts to God as a result of the trust that he demonstrates. We offer our gifts as a result of the trust he demonstrates. Look at verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his money, or hid his master's money. Now as we've talked before, the best way to, to interpret Uh, A parable is to start with just assigning the character so we know what Jesus is talking about. And I think here it's very clear that that the master in this story is Jesus. The master is Jesus, and he's talking about that that time when, by faith, we come into relationship with him. We ask for forgiveness of our sin. And His Holy Spirit, uh, Scripture tells us, at that moment, every one of us, do you hear that word? or two words, every one of us has uh, gifts placed in our account. Uh, That's the promise of God. None of us are overlooked. None of us are missed. And so in this process of understanding how we live this life, uh, as a member of the kingdom of God, it always begins with that understanding. God has provided in us resources, the things that we need to do the work he's called us to, just like him giving the talents to these servants. We're the servants. We're those ones that he has entrusted with, if you will, the, the riches of heaven. He's entrusted with the gifts and the abilities that his Holy Spirit brings to us. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. The parable is using a familiar situation here. It wasn't unusual in the first century for a businessman when he went on a journey to entrust his affairs to other people. There was no internet. There was no cell phone. He had no other way of, of keeping the business going other than to, to hand it off to trusted servants. And so this is something that the listeners of Jesus telling this parable would have understood quickly. And the imagery is something that we can understand quickly. As Jesus went to heaven, that's the journey. As Jesus ascended back to heaven, he says, while I'm gone, here, I'm giving you some riches. I'm giving you some things for you to invest on my behalf. The properties with which we have been entrusted. Those gifts that glorify God. They're different. They're different, but I want us to understand that in the context of this parable, this master was giving great riches. Now there's different uh, interpretations of the value of a talent. Uh, Some would say it's worth thousands of dollars. Some would say that this, this master had invested millions of dollars with these servants. It really doesn't matter other than to understand that it was very, very, very valuable. It was very, very, very important to the master. And so he didn't hold back. He said, I trust you so much. I'm giving you my wealth. I'm giving you my riches so that you can turn around and multiply those riches. What a great picture. What a great opportunity you and I have as we look at those talents, those gifts, those abilities that God has placed on our account. Jesus provides through his Holy Spirit what we need to get the job done what we need to do the ministry that he's called us to do rather that's a, a wealth of time of our treasure of our talent he's given us all we need to accomplish we're now given the responsibility to decide how we're going to invest those things for the greatest benefit to the master that's the picture that he's painting for us here as the story goes on to discuss it wasn't the size of the original gift that was important It was what the servant chooses to do with it. The investment of those talents is the way in which we use those gifts and abilities as we talked about. It's important for us to each find an effective way to use what God's given us. But I want you to notice the wording that that the author or that Jesus uses and and that uh, Matthew writes down for us. He says he gives to each of his servants according to their ability. He gave to each servant what he knew they could use to accomplish something. And so our gifts are going to look differently. They're going to to all seem to be different. And that's very, very purposeful. Because the church, the body of Christ, needs all of us. And it is important to find that most effective gift that God's provided for you and to use it for the greatest benefit see we can't let Satan bog us down one of Satan's greatest lies is first of all you don't have anything to offer Satan loves that one and he'll do it in a variety of ways he'll say you know what your past those things that that you did that maybe only you know about that that stuff that you carry that that should keep you from serving God. That should keep you from from being bold and stepping out and using what God's given you. Or another lie of Satan is, you really aren't anything very much important. In fact, I'm not even sure Satan will say to you and to me, I'm not even sure you're worthy of being called a child of God. And You know what? Those are lies. Those are lies. And so in this process of understanding what it is that God is calling us to do, and I want to be clear here, it's not just filling all of the gaps in ministry within the context of what we do on Sunday morning and through the week at Murray Missionary Church. We're talking about those opportunities that God places in our lives every moment of every day. But the idea is not to allow Satan to bog us down while we're trying to find that place. In other words, just stepping out boldly and saying, I don't know if this is what, uh, the niche that God has for me, but I'm going to give it a shot. I've got a neighbor that, that can't get out, and so I'm going to walk across the yard. I'm going to offer to go and buy their groceries for them. I'm going to take that person that always seems so lonely in my class. I'm going I'm to invite them out and, and grab a Coke together. That person at work that is always so angry. I'm just going to sit down and and try to have a conversation and see if I can't get to the root of what's causing that. And you might be surprised. God might just say, yes. That investment, that little bit that you're giving for my kingdom, I'm going to multiply that. I'm going to double that. I'm going to make it a big deal for the kingdom. But we'll never know if we don't try. We'll never know if we don't take that first step. Jesus calls us to be salt and light where we are. We're not asked to give what we don't have, we're not asked to do what we can't do. And the question is how can we even think about that being a loss? That's a win win situation. All we're called to do is to take what Jesus has given us through the empowering of his Holy Spirit and find a way to invest that for all of eternity. It's not only possible, it's expected. And when done with a heart of generosity, it becomes extremely fulfilling and even fun. Secondly, we offer our gifts to God because of the results of faithfulness. We offer our gifts to God because of the results of faithfulness. Stay with me here. Verse 19, After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you have entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. We understand from uh, the context of this story that the settling of these accounts that Jesus is is telling us in the verses I just read, is that moment when someday we're going to stand in his presence. We're going to stand in his presence and and have an opportunity for him to look over our life and what we did in this time when we were stuck in this earthly kingdom. It's talked about in 2 Corinthians 5.10. Look at that verse with me. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Each person, I want you to notice what's happening here. Each person is rewarded based on his call, not what others have accomplished. Oh, that's so freeing for me. That's so enlightening for me. Each person is rewarded based on his call, not what others had accomplished. I want you to notice this. The the servant that brought back five talents and the servant who brought back two talents, I want you to notice what the master said to them. It was identical. It was exactly the same. Well done, good and faithful servant. You will now share in your master's happiness. Both of the guys got a win both of the guys got the same recognition from the master why is that important because this indicates that the point of this parable is not on the total amount earned but on the faithfulness of using those things that god has given us i sometimes see uh, these preachers in the big churches and I look at, at the fruit that they have and, you know, you read their, their annual statistics and they see uh, hundreds of people that have come to Christ. And you know, in my humanness, it's like, man, what did I do wrong? What, what's going on here? Why is that not what's happening in my ministry? And then I remember what he said. They may have been given five talents to invest, I may have been given two. So when we stand at the judgment uh, together, that pastor and I, if we happen to be in line together and he's been faithful with what God called him to do and I've been faithful with what God has called me to do, you know what Jesus is going to say to both of us? Well done. Good job, Mike. Pat on the back. Why don't you enter my happiness? Why don't you spend an eternity enjoying your time with me? And so all of those competitions, all of those things of of I'm not worthy, I don't match up, I I can't do as much as the other person, all that's gone. Because that's not what God calls us to. What he calls us to is faithfulness in that place that we have been put. The other truth that we need to understand is that the reward will be disproportionately larger than the service. At that time when we stand before God, our reward will be disproportionately larger than the service. I want to take that phrase, entering uh, our master's happiness. I want to just stop there for a second and help us understand exactly what it is he's talking about. Jesus said in this parable of the first two servants, They were faithful with little. And so he entrusted them with many things. Earlier we looked at that passage in 2 Corinthians. That taught us that there will come a day that we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The word there is the Bema judgment. That opportunity. We're only believers. Listen. This Bema judgment, when Jesus returns, this particular judgment, only believers will be there. And we're not there to be judged for our sin. My sin was judged at Calvary. My sin was paid for on the cross. When I asked for that sin to be forgiven, where did God take it? As far as the east is from the west, buried in the deepest sea, my sin is gone, it's taken care of. I don't have to be judged for that sin. And so when I go to this beam of judgment, when you stand at this beam of judgment, he's looking at what we did as a response to his grace in giving us salvation. How did we use those gifts and abilities? How did we uh, manage our lives in becoming passionate disciples of Christ? This is made a little bit clearer for us in Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. It says this, Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. That's, he's talking about the beam of judgment there. He's talking about that, that judgment seat of Christ. And what he says, what he says there, Paul says to Timothy, is there's going to come a day at that judgment where I'm going to receive a crown. And that crown is going to be uh, decorated or is going to, to have jewels placed in it based on my faithfulness. In response to God's forgiveness of my sin. In other words, how I chose to use those gifts and abilities. How I chose to to live this life of, of walking with Christ. And remember, it's not about how big your crown is or how big your crown is. It's about what God has entrusted in my life. And when I have been faithful in fulfilling those things, then God puts those jewels in my crown. Now, that could sound a little bit... Uh, like like I'm going to have an ego problem. But understand, when I get that crown, it's not so I can strut around heaven and have a bigger crown than you. It's not so my jewels will sparkle any brighter than your jewels. That crown is meant as an offering to Christ. And so someday, when I receive that crown, then, then I'm told that I will take that crown and I will lay it at the feet of Jesus. So let's put that together. What he's saying is Jesus, when when he calls those servants in and he's saying, well done, enter into my happiness. He's saying, you've done a good job in fulfilling what I called you, individually, you to do. And because of that, now I have an offering to give back to Jesus. So the decisions on what I do tomorrow morning impact the offering I have to give to Jesus in eternity. My yes or no to to that service opportunity that God places in my path is impacting the offering I have to give to Jesus. I love that picture. It's all about Him. He gives us the ability. We have opportunity to give that ability and, and the results of that back. Let's just... Put a little ribbon around what we've talked about so far. This is what we have to look forward to through simple obedience. We're called to be faithful. We're called to be generous with our gifts, our our using those gifts and abilities for God's glory as we live as members of the kingdom of God while still stuck in this earthly kingdom. And the really good news is We're actually investing his wealth. We're actually using just what he's given us to use. We can't lose in that situation. So we offer our gifts. Thirdly, aware of the consequences of foolishness. Aware of the consequences of foolishness. Jesus recognizes that some are going to choose to say no. Some are going to say, uh, I believe the lies of Satan, and I'm just going to sit here. I'm just going to sit on what you've given me, Jesus. And this is the consequence of that. Look at verse 24. Then the man who had received the one talent uh, came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked Lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take that talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. See, this, this last servant had a terrible, horrendous misunderstanding of the master. He didn't get it at all. He didn't understand this at all. The master was kind and giving. We learned that from the first two servants. The master was not a hard man. When the master responds, it was built off the misconception. Well, if you think this is who I was, if you believed in your heart that I was this cruel taskmaster, then you, at least you should have tried to, to double it, invest it, and get a little interest. See, here's, here's the application. There are people, and you run into them, maybe even some of us to a little bit of a degree, who think that God's role is to, to just watch when we do something bad and just slap us off. Or, or God's role is, is waiting till the end when He can just uh, gather everybody together and, and pitch this one randomly and that one to, randomly into hell or to heaven. That's not the God we serve. He is not a hard master. He is not a a demanding master. He proved that by the first two servants. He said, enter my happiness. Enter my joy. He invited them to something wonderful. And so this third guy, he had a misconception of what the master was all about. He saw him as a taskmaster, as a cruel, cruel person. And Jesus said, well, if, if you believe that's who God is, at least out of fear, you should have done something. But far better, far greater, is the opportunity that we have to respond out of grace. Scripture does say to fear the Lord. But that fear, that word that the Bible uses for fear there is is an awe, it's a respect, it's that, that bowing in his presence and just basking in his glory. God is a God of mercy and he's a God of grace. But we need to understand he's also a God of righteousness. He's also a God of justice. And there is a consequence for disobedience. But the really good news in that truth is this. Those of us who are obedient, those of us who choose to use and and, and to multiply the gifts that he's given us, those of us who choose to move toward being passionate disciples of Christ, we'll never see that wrath. We'll never see that side of God. It's nothing that's even in our thought process. This guy was controlled by what he believed to be self-preservation instead of faith. He decided to play it safe. He was motivated by self-preservation instead of faith. What's best for me in this life? Wow, that's the life of Satan how can i be most comfortable in this life how can i avoid any conflict of trying to do something important for god how can i just be safe and in the end jesus had some very very powerful words the master recognized his selfishness for what it was he said you're wicked and you're lazy it's interesting that laziness in the work of the lord is equated with wickedness by Jesus. Just saying. Just an observation. Here's a guy that just wanted to slide by under the master's radar. He didn't lose the talent that he had been given. He simply chose not to use it. And his reason? He didn't want to do something wrong. He didn't want to make a mistake. That is a lie of Satan. The response of Jesus was clear. This is simply not acceptable. This is simply not an option. There was benefit for the kingdom that could have taken place. And the decision of this third servant resulted in a huge, huge missed opportunity. So where does this all lead us? We offer our gifts to God because this is an indication of our obedience. Look at how he ends this story. Verse 29. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The promise is very clear, and it's very simple. Obedience brings an unbelievable reward. Obedience to the call of Christ to be that person and to use those gifts that he's given us brings excuse me, an unbelievable reward. But disobedience brings a tragic, a tragic punishment. Listen, I want to be very, very clear. I want to be very clear. This parable is not, it is not teaching a need to somehow earn my salvation. It's not teaching that somehow I have to please God in order to get into heaven. I've got to live a certain way and and I've got to make him happy. Does he want me to avoid sin? Yes. Does he want me to to use what I have? Yes. But salvation comes only through the grace of God when I ask for forgiveness of my sin. That's a a done deal. But what he's talking about here is the indicator of my faith. What he's talking about here is, is the sign, if you will, of how much I really believe and how much I really trust in what he's called me to do. A true disciple of Jesus is really easy to spot. A true disciple of Jesus is one who is generously using those gifts and blessings given to them by God's Holy Spirit for the purpose of bettering his kingdom. On the other hand, someone who is not doing the will of the Father is simply an imposter. Jesus said that servant will be thrown out where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. I only know one other place that's described as having weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that's an eternity separated from God the Father. So someday we long to hear these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Those are words that we should all desire to hear. And when you consider who's saying them to us, it makes it all the more powerful. So the question for you and I is this. What is our heart willing to do? What is our heart willing to give? God's provided the gifts. God's provided the abilities. And God has provided the opportunities. All he's asking is that we don't miss them. I'm going to ask you to stand quietly with me. I'm going to pray in just a moment. We're going to dismiss and head on our way. I just want to give this challenge. Let's do an inventory. Let's do a self-check. God is very fair. And he will never, ever, ever call us to do something without having first equipped us and empowered us through his spirit to accomplish it. The other side of that coin is, he has promised to do that in the life of every single true believer. And so there's basically some, some very simple questions that we need to ask of our Lord today. What is it that you're asking of me? What is it that you're asking of me? And you know, you might ask that question of God today, and He say, just exactly what you're doing. We're on target. You're using your gifts. You're, You're serving the kingdom. Well done. But if he says to you, we need to look a little harder, then just pray that he reveal to you what those things are. First of all, that he has for you to do and what he's equipped you with so that you can do them. We have a world that's lost. We have a world that that is in trouble. But God hasn't given up. But he's placed us here and left us here to be his hands and his feet and his mouth to make a difference. Go into his presence. Just ask this morning. If you'd say, Pastor Mike, I, I just really have sensed this morning that there's more. That God's spirit has more that he uh, is asking of me. And you're going to pray and you want me to pray over these next days and weeks that God will just make that very, very clear in your life. If that's a word he's spoken into your life this morning. You just lift your hand where you're at. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Others, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Anyone else? Father God, you have been so faithful this morning in teaching us and encouraging us and challenging us. And so I give you glory and give you credit. And for these, my brothers and sisters that have recognized your call on their life. And Father, they have just, uh, uh, by a simple act of faith, said, yes, let's go. I pray that you make very, very clear what it is that you would have them do for your kingdom. Lord, uh, I just pray for every one of us that you bind Satan and keep him from uh, hindering, Lord, the free uh, flow and the free use of those things that you've provided for us so that your kingdom, Lord, can be glorified. Send us excited and ready to serve, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.